All right, Acts chapter 3. Uh, Acts chapter 3, we're continuing our series on be a blessing, okay? On being a blessing. Week 1, we talked about the boldness of being an eyewitness to a, uh, an event. And what does it mean to, in Acts 1-8 to be a witness for the Lord? And you have an event to share, a platform to share it, and the boldness to declare it. That was week one. It was really brief on our very first night. Last week, anybody remember what we talked about last week? Oh, pop quiz. I didn't you know. Be a member, right? But we talked about the church, right? What does it look like to be a part of a church? Um, Acts chapter two is where we were. This week, we're talking about how can we be a good friend? Acts chapter 3. You ready for this? Here we go. Um, this is a great passage. I'm really excited to be able to teach from it. Uh, Acts chapter 3, we'll start in verse 1. Now, Peter and John, if you have a Bible right there, you got a copy of God's Word with you, I want you to put a parenthesis around Peter and John, okay? We're going to come back to that. Now, Peter and John, who were BFFs, were going up together to the temple complex. They were encouraging each other to go to church. At an hour of prayer, at three in the afternoon, going to church at three in the afternoon, unheard of, right? Well, unless you have choir on Sunday afternoons, then you have to be here at three. Um, and a man who was lame from birth was carried there and placed every day at the temple gate called Beautiful so he could beg for those entering the temple complex. So get the picture. Blame man carried by his friends to sit, sit on the outside of the temple begging for money. Okay? You got the picture in your head? Verse 3. When he saw Peter and John about to enter the temple complex, he asked for help. Lame man looks up to Peter and John and says, Hey, bro, you got something to spare for me? You got some change? You got something? This is so good. When he saw Peter and John, he entered the temple complex and asked for help. Peter, along with John, looked at him intently and said, Look at us. And so he turned to, to, to them, expecting to get something from them. But Peter said, underline this verse, I don't have silver or gold, but what I have to give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and what? Walk. Dun, dun, dun. I don't have gold. I don't have silver. But you know what? In the name of Jesus, stand up and walk. You talk about bold faith. Peter, stepping out of the boat, Peter, that same Peter, looking down at this lame man saying, in the name of Jesus, stand up and walk. Verse 7, then taking him by the right hand, he raised him up, and at once his feet and his ankles became strong. Do, do, do. You like the sound effects in the Bible? It's great. Um, so he jumped up, stood, and started to walk, and he entered the temple complex. This is so big, all right? I'll tell you why in just a minute. It's so big that he entered the temple complex walking and leaping and praising God. Yippee, yippee. I can walk. Look at this. My ankles, they're good, right? That's what he's saying. All the people saw him walking and praising God. And, he recognized, and they recognized that he was the one who used to sit and beg at the temple gate, or beautiful gate, at the temple complex. So they were filled with awe and astonishment at what had happened. You're like, Steve, how does this have anything to do with being a godly friend? It has everything to do with it. So this lame man who could not get to the temple 
he could not get in to worship God because he was lame in his legs. That's a sad place to be that the church would not let him in to worship because he had a, a deformity or a lameness in his leg. And sadly, that is very true. In Bible times, if you had any kind of blindness, handicap, any of that kind of stuff, they thought that you were cursed by God and you should not be in his presence. That's bad. That's really bad. But that is what they thought and that's what they believed. And so for Peter to heal him, right, and his legs start working, he starts leaping, he is holding on to, this lame man is holding on to Peter as they are walking into the temple together. Because for the very first time in his life, he was able to walk into church. That was a big deal. It was a big deal to this lame man because now everything that he had wanted and wanted to, and desired is to be inside that temple. And now he had the freedom to worship like everybody else. That's amazing. So, Steve, how does this have to do with anything about friends? There are two friend relationships in this passage. One is the one between Peter and John. Peter and John. I had you parentheses that, right? Peter and John. Peter and John are BFFs. You're like, Steve, how are they BFFs? Well, guess what? They were both fishing buddies before Jesus called them to be their disciples. Peter and John were the ones that literally set up the Lord's Supper room, the very first Passover meal together up in the upper room. It was Peter and John that set the room up. BFFs, they're living life together. They're experiencing Jesus together. Peter and John were also the ones that were sprinting to the empty tomb looking for Jesus. It was Peter and John, along with Mary and Martha. But it was Peter and John that were running, BFFs. And later in Acts, you see how Peter and John, not only in this moment, were ministering together, but they were also ministering to the Samaritans who had just became new believers in Christ. And Peter and John were partnered together to go and to do ministry together. The valuable aspect of having godly friends in your life is so valuable. It matters that you have a godly friend. And here's the thing. I want you to think about yourself in this moment, from this point forward for the rest of this talk. What about you makes you a godly friend? What about you makes you a godly friend? And why would anyone want to be friends with you if you're not godly? (laughs) That's a great question. Is it because you're popular? Is it because you're a cool guy? Is it because you got cool kicks? Your shoe game is great? Is it because you're like the in person? Is that why? But here's the thing, Peter and John were really good friends, and it was because of Jesus. They were really good, you hear that? They were really good friends because of Jesus. And as I started thinking about what does a godly friendship look like, I want to give you some really quick hits on what the Bible has to say about what does it mean to be a godly friend. And these are what I believe that are godly characteristics that Peter and John had between each other. One, biblical friendship is about, one, a godly friend loves well. Proverbs 17, 17 says this, A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. A godly friend loves well. Number two, a godly friend is available. Is available. 
Peter looks at John and says, hey, I'm running to the tomb. You want to go with me? And what does John say? No, nah, I'm good. He's like, man, wherever you go, I'm going. Available. Proverbs 27.10 says this, Do not forsake your friend and the friend of your father, and don't go to your brother's house when disaster strikes you. When Better a neighbor nearby than a brother far away. A friend is available. Number three, a godly friend is sacrificial. John 15.13 says this, Greater love has no one than this, that he would lay down his life for a friend. How many of you heard that? You've heard that verse. If you've been around church anyway, anytime, it, that's greater love than this, knowing this, that he laid down his life for his friends. It's really a picture of Jesus, that Jesus sacrificially laid his life down for his friends, for you and for me. We are a friend of God because of Jesus Christ. A godly friend isn't far away. A godly friend isn't far away. A poor man leads for mercy, but a rich man answers harshly. A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. That's Proverbs 18, 18, 23, and 24. A godly friend isn't far away. And lastly, and I could come up with a list that's probably 20 deep, but I just picked five. A godly friend, and I think this is probably the biggest one, is quick to forgive. It's quick. Were some of y'all trying to guess it? Yeah, you were, weren't you? Um, a godly friend isn't far, or I mean, is, is quick to forgive. Here's the thing. I think, this is just Steve's perspective. I've been working in student ministry for a long time, hanging out with teenagers pretty much my whole life. Here's what I believe. This is probably the one thing that most of us struggle with. You wronged me, I'm after you. Like I'm coming after you. You hurt me, oh, I thought we were friends. How many of you used that phrase before? Oh, I thought that you, you and I were good friends. What happened? And here's, I, I believe, this is just me, I believe what happened was you forgot to forgive. You forgot to forgive. You know what? We don't get it right, y'all. We don't. We're not good friends all the time. But if we're godly, even though we make mistakes, we would extend forgiveness when it's right. We would extend forgiveness to our friends when we don't get it right. Maybe it's our fault. Maybe it's their fault. It doesn't matter. But if there's a godliness about you and about that friendship, then there's going to be something about forgiveness that's going to be a part of who you are and a part of that friendship. Y'all, it is so, it is, if you guys get this, this is so good. Like it really will revolutionize every one of your friendships. It, it really does matter how you treat each other. And I want to challenge you. I just listed five characteristics that come straight from the Bible, specifically talking about what does it mean to be a godly friend. Are you any of those or all of those? Is that a part of who you are? Is it a part of the friendship that you have with the guys around, that you, the circles that you run with? Are the, do they love well? Are they sacrificial toward each other? Are you sacrificial toward each other? Are you not far away? Are you available? Are you ready? Are you ready to forgive? All of these things are so valuable to what it means. And I believe this is what Peter and John's friendship was founded on. The experiences and they heard from Jesus. That Jesus was a part of their friendship. All about it. When was the last time you genuinely prayed with your friends? And I'm not talking about the meal that you're going to have at Mezcal. Like, that's not what it's about. 
Like genuinely pray for your friends. Pray with them, out loud, like for them. When was the last time you did that? I think that's a godly activity. And if you're godly Christians in friendship with one another, don't, don't you think that that would be an activity that you would do together? You would experience Jesus together? You would experience doing godly things together? And I believe this is what really a godly friendship is all about. And I think many of us, we miss it. We're not great at it. We get it wrong. We really do. I don't think there's any perfect friendships in the room. But I think we need to have a little bit of grace toward each other. Because I know you don't get it right, and I don't get it right. But I'm willing to forgive you if you're willing to accept it. Does it make sense? This is a good old Baptist nod. Okay? All right. Oh, I like that. Come on. Let's start preaching. All right, Philip, let's go. Um, I just lost all my notes. This is great. All right. Okay, here we go. Um, How do... Okay, so that's the first friendship, okay, is between Peter and John. The second friendship that we see in this passage is Peter and John and the lame man. Peter and John going to church, going to the temple like they probably normally did every day, but today was different because they met a lame man. And in this moment, this lame man is doing what he normally does. But Peter and John, (laughs) they see something different happening in this moment. And they reach, they see a friend who is in need, and they do something about it. Two godly friends going about godly things, doing godly ministry to the people around them. Biblical friendship. And Peter and John reach down to this lame man and say, you know what? I don't have gold. I don't have silver. But what I do have is Jesus. What I do have is Jesus. And their faith in Christ led them to this man to stand up and walk. Whoo! That's amazing. And in this friendship, this new friendship that happens, there's like this party that happens. It's like they've met a need, and this lame man, he doesn't just walk out and just walk off. He like follows Peter and John. He becomes part of the posse. Like He just jumps in. I don't, we don't know his name. He's not lame anymore, so he can't be the lame man. I don't know what his name is, but now he's walking. Walking man is really going with Peter and John into the temple for the very first time. He's not letting go of these guys because Jesus has changed his life. Jesus used Peter and John to change his life, and now he is all in. Two godly people doing godly things, ministering in Jesus' name, and this man is brought into the family of God because two godly friends were doing godly things and things were happening in their heart and their life. Um, Here's the thing that we need to do in understanding our friends. I'm going to give you some quick hits. This is simply amazing, and I think all of us would identify with this little quick hit of understanding our friends. One, all of our friends want acceptance, and forgiveness. I think our friends who are in need, this may be you. (laughs) This could be a picture of you. This is probably how you feel right now. You feel like you need acceptance. You're in here wanting 
You walked into this room looking for someone to accept you. You walked into this room wanting someone to acknowledge you. You walked into this room immediately looking for someone you know or someone that you could hang out with and sit with. Can I get an amen on that? Because that's right. Every one of us walked in here wanting that. And there are so many people that are not just in this room, but there are so many people outside this room that need to experience the love and acceptance that they find in this place, in this group. They want acceptance. Number two, they want unconditional love. They want unconditional love. They want someone to genuinely love them for who they are and maybe even the story that they have. They want us to unconditionally. That is the love of Christ that is moving through us that can be given to these people who are in need. Number three, they want time from you. They just want to hang out. They just want to go to the movies. They just want to do things with you. I'm sure this guy that Peter and John ministered to, the party happened at the temple. There was a lot of probably dancing up in there because that was the first time he's ever done that, right? He took dancing into the church. That's great. Um, and so, this, like, there was, there was an activity. There, that, these guys were hanging out together. And I think, I know, our friends want time with you. Number four, uh, they want someone to sit with. Now we're getting really practical, really practical. They want someone to sit with. Here's the other thing about our friends. They want someone to talk to and to tell them the truth. Y'all, your friends are asking questions that are hard. And some of you are like, I don't know how to answer this question, Steve. They're asking like deep theological questions, yada, yada, yada. They want and they're looking for someone to tell them the truth. Right? A good godly friend. If I'm eating lunch and I got like some barbecue sauce on my lip, right? You want someone to tell you that it's there. Right? And you get mad at the people if you find it in the mirror an hour later, right? You look at your friends and say, why did you tell me I had a big old barbecue sauce right here on my lip? Why did you say something? Tell them the truth, right? <laughs> hey, bro, you know, you can be subtle about it. Sometimes you look at them and go, you know, just, just tell them. Oh, this is a classic example. Sunday morning. This past Sunday morning. I'm wearing a nice navy blue shirt. I was khakis and whites, like I was on. I had oatmeal for breakfast. I did. I had oatmeal for breakfast. And there's a little oatmeal right there under my collar, like right there on the collar of my shirt. Okay, this is the thing. I got here at 7 o'clock this morning. I walked down to pastor prayer time, right? There are probably 40 or 50 pastors, like all of us are in the sanctuary. We're praying over everything. I've got oatmeal all over my shirt, like literally right there. I can't see it. You know, it's right there under my neck. And I was, you know, but anyway, um, I, I'm here for about an hour, 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 hour and a half. I'm sitting back there. We kind of meet together as a high school ministry team. We're putting all things, getting ready for Sunday morning. We come out and I, I look down and I'm like, what is that? Like, what is that? A big old blob of oatmeal right there on my shirt. Nobody said anything to me. I really looked at there. I looked at Evan. I looked at Emily and Landon. And I said, you didn't say nothing? Like, what, what's up with this? I think our friends, I want someone to tell me the truth. Isn't that right? I think you want somebody to tell you the truth. And guess what? A good friend, a godly friend will tell you the truth. Hey, you got a little something right there? Hey, you got a little something right there? Right? It's not like you're being harsh or mean and you're not trying to cancel them. Like, that's not what you're about. You're like, you just genuinely care about them and say, hey, 
you know, take care of something, right? That, man, I think so many of us in this room want somebody to tell us the truth. They want someone to sit with. They want someone to just hang out with. Man, there are people all in your schools, on your campus, everywhere. This is what they want. This is what they're looking for, y'all. This is what they're looking for. Let me tell you, this is not in your notes. You probably want to write some of these down. But I'm going to give you some friendship killers. Friendship killers. You looking for some of this? Don't do this, all right? Some of you are like, I'm writing all these down. These are what not to do, all right? First one, not praying with each other. That's a friendship killer. You knew that was coming. Jesus, Duke, Steve, right? Right? Not praying for each other. Number two, holding grudges. Holding grudges. That's number two. That's not, don't hold a grudge, y'all. It's not good. Number three, I'm going fast. Hold on. Comparison. Comparison. That'll kill a friendship anyway. Well, you're not like them or they're not like you. You know, comparison. Not praying. Holding grudges. Comparison. Number four, talking bad about someone when they're not around. Can I get an amen on that one? Nobody likes that. That'll break a friendship. Talking bad about someone they're not around. Number five, break their trust. If you want to kill a friendship, break their trust. Number six, lack of service toward each other. Lack of service toward each other. Hey, what can I get for you? How can I help you? Serving sacrificially. If you don't do that, you make it all about you, you'll lose a friend. Number what, next? Uh, Lack of worship together. Lack of worship together. That's based on Psalm 95, 6. And the last one is a lack of love. Unconditional love. Here's what I love about this passage. Two things and I'm done. Here's what I love about this passage. One, just as Peter and John stepped out in faith to heal this man. We need to be bold enough to invite Jesus into our friendships. We need to be bold enough to invite Jesus into our friendships. Many of us believe that Jesus should not have be a part of our friendships. It's true. You would much rather do it without Jesus because in that way, you don't have to be godly. You don't have to pray with each other. You don't have to read scripture. I don't like all that stuff. And many of us just ignore that. We'll just ignore Jesus and think that it's all good. We need to be bold to invite Jesus into our friendships. And the last one I want to, the lame man is us in the story. The lame man is us. And I want us to hear this truth that Peter and John say. That some of us in this room are looking for a godly friend. You're dying for it. You're feeling alone. You're feeling like, um, one, does God even love me? 
Maybe you're struggling with friendships. Maybe there's a lot of conflict in the, some of the friendships and relationships you have. Invite Jesus into that moment. You're like, Steve, that's so cliche. It, well, it is, but it's true. Invite Jesus in the moment. And you know what? If you start pursuing godliness, other godly friends will notice. If you start pursuing godly friends, they'll start pursuing you. If you start pursuing Jesus because nobody else asked you to, but because you just believe that Jesus is enough, godly friends will find you. Trust me, godly friends will find you. Because one of the encouragement the Bible teaches us is to stay away from evil people. <laughs> I mean, it's all over. It's all over Scripture. Flee from the wicked. If you read Proverbs, it's all about it. Flee from the wicked. Run from them. A godly person shouldn't be around wicked people. But if you're looking for a godly friendship, start being godly yourself. Start at least moving in that direction. And I believe that the Lord will honor you and give you godly friends. Because you're pursuing the Lord yourself. You know what I mean? Yeah? Here's the final thought. It's not only a blessing to have godly friends, but it's also a blessing to be a godly friend. It's a blessing to have them, but it's even better when you are one. I say this all the time. If you want godly friends, be godly. If you want to have a biblical friendship, if you want to have a friendship that's like centered on Christ, then center yourself on Christ. If you want to be in good company with other people, do good things. Do godly things. Don't sit there and live, <laughs> live for the flesh and expect godliness. That's just not how it works in God's kingdom. And I want to challenge us all. Yes, I get it that you want to find friends that are like you, that do the same things that you do, have the same hobbies that you do, play the same game at the same time every night kind of friends. Like you want to be online and go, oh, they're, they're there, all right. You know, and you build that company, you build that friendship that way. Like, I get it. Everybody wants it, has their crew that they run with. But I believe that if we would simply look outside of ourselves and what we would selfishly want us to be, have or to be, that if we would get outside of ourselves and start looking at other people, we would find godly friends that we never knew were there. They could genuinely encourage us. They may not be like us, but they accept us and they know us. And they believe that God's at work in us. I think that's amazing. Many of us have blinders on because we want all of these things that we're not willing to give in order to see it. That was deep right there. That was so deep. Many of you are so blinded in your selfishness, I gotta have a friend who? You are wanting but not giving. Biblical friendship is not about you. Biblical friendship is always about them. So it's time 
I think the selfishness needs to quit. Some of you are selfish friends, and it's time to quit. Start giving it away. Start honoring other people. Start sacrificially serving unconditional love. Start doing all of those things. I love that about biblical friendship. It was never, never about us. It was all about somebody else. And that's what it's about. That's what it's about. You can't be godly unless you know Jesus. Jesus.